Previously, we examined the subject of fasting in the Old Testament. Here is what we found. Only one fast was specifically commanded in the Old Testament, and that was on the Day of Atonement. But people often fasted when they wanted God to hear their prayers. When they wanted God to hear their prayers in times of war, or at threat of it. When loved ones were sick. When seeking God's forgiveness. When faced with impending danger. When seeking God's will. And the purpose of the, such fasting was to humble themselves by afflicting their souls. And afflicting their souls, we noticed, was a, a different way of saying fasting. And yet another purpose of fasting was believing that such humiliation or such humbling would be pleasing in God's sight, and it often was. However, fasting was fruitless when it was done ceremonially, and it was done without true repentance. So there were also no set principles governing the length or the nature of fasting. We examined various different ways people fasted for a day or for an evening or for a few days or for seven days or for 40 days. There were no set principles governing the length or the nature of the fasting. But the true correct purpose of fasting was to humble themselves, to bring a change in their soul, to affect a change in their outlook, to affect a change in their actions and their spirit. It was not about to be seen of God. That was an improper way of fasting. Or to be seen of men, that was an improper way of fasting. So now let's examine fasting in the New Testament, as taught and exemplified by Jesus, by his church, by the Apostle Paul, in an effort to determine whether Christians can or should fast today. So let's look at fasting in the life of Jesus. Jesus fasted 40 days in the wilderness. Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 to 9. And then let's look at Luke chapter 4 verses 1 and 2. And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Being 40 days tempted of the devil and in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended he afterward hungered. He was led into the wilderness to be tempted, tells us in Matthew. He was tempted for 40 days by the devil. We see that in the book of Luke. In those days he ate nothing. That's also mentioned in Luke. Throughout this 40-day period of temptation, Jesus felt it appropriate to fast. Jesus taught on fasting in his Sermon on the Mount. We see that in Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. Moreover, when ye fast... Be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head, and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now notice in these verses, Jesus said, When not if you fast. Verse 16, Moreover, when ye fast. When ye fast. Jesus said, when, not if. Assuming his disciples would fast. When done properly, a person would be rewarded by the Father. Suggesting that fasting was like prayer and giving alms. An example, an act of righteousness done to please the Father. Fasting appears to have a place in the righteousness expected of those who would be citizens of the kingdom of God. Keep that in mind, Matthew chapter 6, 16, when 
you fast. There wasn't an if or if you fast or when you may fast, it's when you fast. Now, when questioned by John's disciples in Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 to 17, Mark chapter 2, 18 to 20, and Luke chapter 5, 33 to 39, I want you to notice something. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9, 14 to 17. Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast? Oft, but thy disciples fast not. And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come, when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then they shall fast. No man putteth a piece of new cloth unto an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then they shall fast. And Jesus described a time in these three passages in Matthew, Mark, and Luke when his disciples would fast. Not if they would fast, would fast. But it's inappropriate to fast when the occasion does not call for it. Notice that in the same passage. It says when they fast, but he also, Jesus taught, is inappropriate to fast when the occasion does not call for it. So it appears that fasting would have a place in a believer's life, but only on appropriate occasions. It not, should not be ceremonial. It should not be for the, the appearance of men, for men to see that we are fasting. It should be kept secret. To Jesus, it's a when, not an if, but there is an appropriate time for it. Now let's look at the combined power of prayer and fasting. We notice that in Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17, verses 14 to 21. And the Bible says, And when they were come to multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic, and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falleth into the fire, and oft in the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and departed out of him the child, and was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart, and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for I verily say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, he shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Now look at verse 21. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Now Matthew Henry commented on this. Though the adversaries we wrestle are all principalities and powers, some are stronger than others, and their power more hardly broken. The extraordinary power of Satan must not discourage our faith, but quicken us to a greater intensity in the acting of it, and more earnestness in praying to God for the increase of it. Fasting and prayer are proper means to bringing down of Satan's power against us. Verse 21 again, Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. By prayer and fasting. There are times when faith alone is not enough. Jesus has taught us so far that we would fast. It's not an if. Believers will fast or should fast at some point in time. 
He taught us that we should fast appropriately in appropriate times, not for ceremonial sake, not for men looking at us, but appropriate times. He also taught us that sometimes faith is not enough. There are times when faith alone will not accomplish it. We must have faith and we must fast. And at these times, prayer joined with fasting is necessary. Fasting joined with prayer may accomplish things which normal faith may not, which normal prayer may not. Now let's look at fasting in the Lord's church. The church at Antioch, Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius Cyrene and Manaean, which had been brought up with the Herod the Tetrarch and Saul as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Again, an example of fasting is a group while ministering to the Lord. They fasted and prayed in preparation to sending out Barnabas and Saul. Fasting, when accompanied with prayer, can be done as a group when involved in serving the Lord. But notice, fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. Every time we look at it, it's fasting and prayer. Also, all that coupled with faith. Fasting and prayer and faith all go together. You don't just fast. Fasting and prayer and faith. Now let's look at the churches in Galatia. We looked at in Acts chapter 14. 21 to 23. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Again, an example of fasting and prayer as a group, this time in conjunction with the serious task of appointing elders. Notice that this was done in every church, not in a few churches. This was done in every church, prayer and fasting in conjunction with appointing elders. Prayer and fasting in conjunction with appointing elders in every church. Not just one or two churches, every church. Not just in what might be considered Jewish churches, where fasting might be considered just a Jewish custom, but in every church. Again, fasting can be a group activity in the work of a local church. Now let's look at fasting in the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Fasting was a mark of his ministry, or a characteristic of his ministry. We have already noticed where he fasted with several churches, but notice also 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Verses 4 to 10. But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in affliction, in necessities, in distress, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watching, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness, on the right hand and on the left by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, 
as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing as poor, yet making rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all. By pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, in verse 6, by kindness, in stripes, and imprisonments, and tumults, and labors, in verse 5, in watchings, in fastings, plural, fastings, plural. But also, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 23-28. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watches often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all churches. And we looked at our previous reference in Second Corinthians chapter 6, in fastings, plural. Now here, in fastings, often. In fastings, often. Fastings is mentioned separately from normal hunger. Notice that also in verse 27. In weariness, and painfulness, in watchings, in hunger, and in thirst. And then separately, in fastings, often. So fastings is mentioned separately from normal hunger and normal thirst. In both of these passages, Paul mentioned fasting as a mark of his ministry. He mentions fasting as a, as a good standing of a, of a minister of Christ. And he mentioned fastings in multiple fastings, in plurality of fastings. In a, almost seems like it's a common thing to fast and prayer for things. Paul also taught that fasting might have a place in the lives of others. We see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 5. Defraud ye not one the other, except to be with consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. Notice fasting and prayer. And come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your innocency. Paul also taught that fasting might have a place in the lives of others. Notice again fasting and prayer. The only time husbands and wives may deprive one another is when by consent they devote themselves to fasting and prayer for a specific period of time. Though not actually Christians at the time, we also have other examples of those who fasted and were blessed by God. We see Anna in Luke chapter 2, 36-38. We see Saul in Acts chapter 9, 9. And we see Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, verses 30-31. to So as a conclusion then, here is what we have seen so far in this study. That our Lord fasted in time of temptation. That he taught his disciples about fasting on several occasions that he foretold of a time in which his disciples would fast, that there were times when the combination of fasting and prayer might be more effective than just prayer alone, that the early church fasted in their service to the Lord, that Paul regarded fasting as a mark of his ministry. Paul regarded fasting as a mark of ministers of Christ. Paul taught us to fast when choosing elders. Paul mentioned fasting separately from hunger. Paul mentioned fasting as something that should occur often, a regular part of a person's life. Multiple fastings. Paul mentioned it in the plurality of fastings. 
but also taught that prayer and fasting often go hand in hand, utilized whenever there was a strong desire for God's blessing and guidance. Also, Jesus taught us sometimes prayers are only answered if it's prayer and fasting. Remember, Jesus said this required prayer and fasting. Sometimes if we don't get an answer to prayer, maybe it's because we're not fasting as well and exercising faith. Because Jesus said some specific things require prayer and fasting. So prayer and fasting often go hand in hand. They are utilized whenever there is a strong desire for God's blessing and guidance. In view of such things, I can only conclude that fast does indeed have a place in the lives of Christians today. Now, in our final look on this subject, we'll consider some thoughts concerning the why, the when, and the how of fasting as found in the New Testament.